Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I'm a fan of classic movies. Hello and welcome to Overlapping Dialogue, a podcast of audio commentaries dedicated to discussing cinema that fascinates us in a way we hope fascinates you. We're we're your co-hosts, Kyle and Levi Huffman. I'm Kyle. And I'm Levi. And we're back. Uh, a dinosaur story. <laughs> Did you ever see that? We're, no. we're back. A dinosaur story. No. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, it's like it's, uh, that whole quickly. I know we've talked about dinosaurs a lot on this podcast by nature of Jurassic Park. I've never been interested in the Land Before Time. We're back. Dinosaur, the TV show. Did you, like, ever, you uh, remember that, that um, Disney dinosaur movie? That yeah, anime, it, it was really weird looking. CG now, look, yeah, because you know. it's like. They got more like human-looking faces almost. Yeah, but it's, that's weird. and then there was the good dinosaur, which neither of us saw. Anyways, we're yeah. going to be talking today um, about waves from 2019. And let me just first say here at the top as well, um, you didn't maybe hear us last week. Uh, we're gonna tr- we're gonna try to consistently do these. Try to put out you know four at least four consecutively any given kind of period of weeks. Um, so this is, uh, I guess, already our fifth episode, um, and this whole podcast came together relatively quickly yeah. from what the idea was, so I feel pretty proud of what we put out so far, yeah. um, but just be aware, sometimes we might take a break here or there, um, but we will be back. That uh, you know, This is a relatively easy podcast to record and put together, so that's not the issue as much, but don't worry, we will be back. I know some of you, oh no. Oh no. oh no! Snow day, and then they then they laid out and then on they, the next then day. They, they had out, they went on on top with they, snow day. Well, they had their second snow day that they were yeah. really wanting. So uh, we're back. Obviously, you're hearing us now. Um, so what we're going to be talking about today, and we'll go ahead and tell you this is a going to be a bit of a different episode. Yeah. Um, and we're not exactly sure exactly how it's going to go, but yeah. we want to try this out and see what the results are going to be. Um, and we're going to be looking today at 2019's Waves, a movie that we were both excited about when it came out mm-hmm. and we're anticipating it. I mean, we'll kind of talk about how we saw it a little later. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so Waves 2019, so this is by far the most recent film we've done. Yep. Um, Probably will be for a little while, too, I would yeah. think. I can't think of anything else that would be this new this soon that yeah. we're thinking about. Um, and we'll talk about you know, 2019 already has the feeling of the end of an era, whether we really even knew it or not, because that was the last full year of movie going before COVID-19 hit us. Um, So we can talk about what that means maybe here in a little bit. But before we do that, um, just run, if you help us out, Levi, run through some of the important key creatives in front of and behind the camera. Well, Waves um, is an independent drama 
drama with a big D. Yeah, I think we should say by it was put out by A twenty four. We'll kind of talk about what A twenty four kind of means in general, means to us later. But um, was directed by Trey Edward Schultz. Um, this is only his third film, which is pretty hard to believe. I think. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think when the movie came out, <laughs> the, he was like uh, thirty years old. Yeah. Too. He's so thirty two now. Pretty I believe. young filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so he direct. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But um, he and he wrote it too. It was totally his own conception. Um, sp- specifically, we can probably talk about this more too later. But I remember I'd heard this at the time. But we read a review or the interview that also had uh, Alexa uh, Demi. Yeah, is how you say her name. That she's the uh, girlfriend in the movie. Um, that she was talking about reading the screenplay was like different font yeah. sizes yeah. and the songs were in the screenplay. Yeah, which um, is usually, uh, you're oftentimes told in film school and in screenwriting classes, do not do that. Like, that's not professional. Like, you don't know if you're really going to get those, be able to have those songs. Um, yeah. You know, and I understand some of the considerations behind that, but he obviously was in a position where he could, he actually has a lot of licensed music in this right. film. Uh, but anyway, so that... Um, you know, is interesting just to think about the writing of the movie. I think that he had had the idea for many years and he finally wrote it later on. But as far as the actors in the movie, uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. Um, Who was the uh, the son, one of the main characters of uh, Comes at Night. His previous film, yeah. yes. The uh, the previous Trey Edward Schultz film for A24, yes. and uh, I mean, we'll go ahead and say I think everybody's great in this yes. movie. Him particularly, I mean, as you'll see... Uh, well, should we go ahead and kind of talk about what the movie's about really quickly? I guess yeah, we, we can done loosely that. we can loosely um, do that. Yeah, it's actually pretty simple what the movie's about. Funny enough, straightforward but, story uh, that it's just about this some um, African American family that is relatively, I'd say, lower upper class. They're like you know pretty well off. Yeah, I'd say yeah. they're pretty um a pretty good family unit as it appears at least at the beginning. But yeah. as you see over the film, there are many cracks and uh, right both literal and figuratively. Um, And just kind of about Tyler is this, uh, the son, he's this wrestler. Um, He's very, uh, he has a girlfriend, like I said, played by Alexa Demi. He's very, seemed to have a very happy, you know, carefree uh, high school existence. Um, But a lot of these different things um, happen, which send him down this very dark road that leads in a very tragic way. center of the movie the kind of tragedy of the movies at the very middle of the movie yeah um and the whole first half of the movie it's mostly you're just pretty much just following him right um but then the second half of the movie all of a sudden you're following his sister who, in the aftermath yeah who, played by taylor russell in the film which a lot of the reviews signaled her out as perhaps the best performance if yeah. not the best performance maybe the most surprising new yeah i performance, think so i think yeah. um and and we'll talk about this as the movie unfolds at least in my memory, she is really kind of an afterthought in the whole first half. You barely even really notice that she's the, there. Well, yeah, what's funny, I felt bad about this at the time. There's that scene where he's in the bathroom um, being sick, Yeah. and she comes in there, and at first I was like, who is that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, he has a sister, I guess. Because it's very weird, the uh, The beginning of the movie, she's in a couple scenes here and but there. But she's very much in the but, background, and yeah. is much more interior of a right. character in some ways than he is, and more reserved. Right. And so she just, she, you, 
I think the movie intends you to think this. She barely noticed her in the first half. Right. But then all of a sudden, she becomes the center of the second half of the movie. Right. Um, so, yeah, so we see Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Taylor Russell. Why this keeps, my computer keeps making noise. Um, like I said, she's really great as well. Um, I think I, I think she's a, relatively a newcomer. I think she's going to be in that Luca Guadagnino, Timothy Chalamet, oh, Bones right. and All movie yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to joke about that on this podcast, even though we could. But, uh, uh, she, yeah, she's really great. And then, of course, Sterling K. Brown as the father, the patriarch Which, of the family. He's most known for This Is Us at this point. Right. But also he was in uh, People vs. O.J. I think that's... The first time a lot of people, including myself, really took stock and noticed him. Oh, for that's the first right. Time. Who was he in that? Was um, he the? He uh, was that. Uh, oh gosh, that uh, that the other prosecutor, the, the other black prosecutor. Right. Who I, was I in forget con- that. His who name. was in contrast to Johnny Cochran? And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm gonna look that up because I want I want to remember that. But anyway, uh, so yeah, he's really good in this. Um, he of course plays you know the very kind of overbearing overbearing father, father figure. Um, which, uh, let's see. Oh, Christopher Darden. Yeah, Darden. Yeah. yeah. I forgot his name. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, of course, really good. He has his own journey in the movie. That's another thing is it's mostly about the kids. Yes. But the parents also have their own journey in the movie and other people because there's other people in the movie here and there, but it's yeah, uh, mostly that. Um, and the wife um, is actually their stepmother, it would be. I always kind of forget that about the movie. It was played by Renee Elsie Goldsberry. Who I, uh, um, she's one of my favorite characters in Hamilton. She was in the original oh, production right. of that. She yeah. plays uh, Angelica. Uh, Angelica! Schuyler, yeah. Uh, of yeah. the Schuyler sisters. And yeah. she's uh, one of my favorite actual actresses in that. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs is uh, from her in that. And she's really great in this as well. Uh, right. Um, and of course, Lucas Hedges. Um, what do we have? I mean, Lucas Hedges is totally We're gonna. I want to talk uh, more about him towards yeah. the end okay. because I think he has among the most prominent roles in contemporary cinema. Um, yeah. And, but it should be said, you know, he's probably on the surface the biggest quote movie star of these people of yeah. all these people in terms of you, you've seen him in the most amount of movies before right. this point, and he's obviously been a rising force in independent film for the last really ten years. It's hard to believe that he, you know, the first time I think a lot of people saw him was, was uh, the character Redford in uh, Moonrise yeah, Kingdom. Right, that would have been for me and, too. And yeah. I remember immediately seeing that movie, and that's among the you know the better recent Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be doing a Wes Anderson movie relatively soon, actually, yeah. on this pod because mm-hmm. uh, we're fans of him. We have a lot of thoughts about him. Anyways, yeah. um, that he, I remember he immediately stood out as a face in that movie as oh yeah. this kid and the and. Over the last few years, he's been getting more and more prominent roles. I think you know everybody that's going to be his was in Lady Bird is going to be always oh right. they were in Lady Bird at that moment and that's already going to be yeah. kind of a big cultural uh, footprint as far as that the one right. that that movie's left him. You know he's been a, again a rising up and coming star. We're going to talk more about him yeah. throughout this, but uh, he's a little bit more in the background, even more more in the background in the very first. Yeah, because I think he's only in like one scene. There's like that scene where Tyler's getting really physical with him wrestling. He's kind of like, yeah, what the heck? Like what's going on? And that's yeah. like the only because I was like, oh, there's Lucas Hedges. Yeah, and then he's not in it, and then he's in. A he's lot, in a lot yeah. of the second half. Right. Yeah, yeah, and really great. Um, but yeah, one thing we'll say about some of the reviews, I remember the, well, the film, com- most of the reviews for this movie were very good, but the film comment review, 
specifically, which was a little more negative of the movie, yeah. which I'm like, I don't know what's going on over at Film Comment these days, but um, that it said something, like, oh, Lucas Hedges, again, in another performance, like it was such a, they were so aggrieved right. to see Lucas Hedges in a movie, which made no sense to me, but anyway. Um, moving on, Alexa Demi, who I mentioned, um, I think the only, the other big thing she's in is Euphoria, yeah, which, um, neither which one of us we have really seen, we've been want interested to see. In, yeah, yeah I'm, I've heard that's very good. I, I feel have, like in a lot of ways, not having seen it, that feels like it's trying to do, in its own way, a TV version of what this movie right. is doing in a feature-length version as far as trying to be you know, centered on what it means to be a modern teenager and using a lot of more modern yeah. music as well. Yeah, and um, I know that a show I was a big fan of this last year, the Luca Guadagnino, We Are Who We Are, Got a lot of comparisons to Euphoria, yeah. Um, which, and I really want to go back and watch Euphoria, but I really was a big fan of that show, and that's kind of similar to, um, in a lot of ways, that show's very, uh, op- about a lot of different things, um, even more than this is. But, um, but anyway, so yeah, I'd like to go and watch that show, but, um, and she's very good in this. Um, less said about that, the better for now, I think. Yeah. But, and her father in the film, Clifton Collins Jr., who's always always love to see him show up and everything. Um, yeah, was which in uh, traffic and like Triple Nine and Westworld. I he was think, in uh, Boondock Saints. Boondock two, Saints. Two. All Saints Day. All Saints Day. Yeah. Right. I, and I'm going to tell a story about this at the end, but uh, he's also in the movie Honey Boy, which I saw in consecutive a day after this. Oh, really? And okay. so I really had myself a big Clifton Collins Jr. fest right. for those two days yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not that. in this movie that much no he's um, he's barely yeah dead. but but he's you're like dead. oh there yeah. he is you know other than that there's harmony korean has a cameo. well yeah I, right there aren't a lot of other people neil huff as bill i don't remember who that is exactly um bill wise who i know is in a lot of random things he's like in some link letter movies and stuff like that but yeah harmony korean is in this movie as a uh mr stanley i'm guessing he's a teacher i don't remember i really don't remember was. him in it. we'll have to just... watch and see but uh the only of his films I've seen is The Beach Bum, which I quite liked. And you've seen, I guess, that in, like, Spring Breakers, right? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have not yet yet to see Trash Humpers, uh, yet to see Gummo. Um, yeah, I've always really wanted to I know he wrote, I think he co-wrote Kids, Kids that which is a very controversial movie, movie now. Yeah, I know. I, uh, and it was controversial at the time. Right. Should, yeah, I've always said. wanted to see that, just to see what's going on there. But uh, And then, also, it's important to note, uh, as an English teacher, Krisha Fairchild who is, um, I believe, Trevor Schultz's actual aunt, right? Who are, or somehow related to her that was the Krisha. Yes, she yes, played yes. Mm-hmm. her kind of a version of herself in that movie, yeah, I guess, or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's another thing to say about specifically Krisha and this. It comes at night, not as much, I'm assuming, but that Schultz really puts a lot of kind of autobiographical things in his movies, yes, it seems yes, like. Yeah. Um, I think particularly with some of the uh, sports stuff in yeah, this movie. Yeah, because he uh, uh, he said in some interviews that he was a high school wrestler, right. and that I think he had an injury that really right. was tough for him to get over and deal mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah, which is a big part of this movie. Yeah. So uh, I, I know this movie box office wise didn't do so. Yeah, well, like I think. made two point five million. I don't. It doesn't say how much it was made for, but I'm assuming. I mean, the movie looks amazing. Um, yeah, shot so, in Florida. Yeah, because it was shot by Drew Daniels as well as a cinematographer. Yeah. Um but yeah and it was shot in in Miami, South Florida somewhere. Very lush movie, very colorful movie. 
Um, and to that point, I think this is a good point to transition into a topic that we talk a lot about, I yeah. know, and I know a lot of film Twitter and people interested in film does. This movie has the look and feel. In some ways, it's almost the finished form of a tradition of movie that has been really present in the 2010s, and that is the, quote, A24 movie. Um, there's a lot of directions we can go with this. Uh, we'll start here. When you hear an A24 movie, what's the first things you think of, or first things you associate with? Well, there's a lot, but one of the first things I think of is something like Moonlight. Yeah. Um, now, that was a movie that came out already, and that was their first movie they actually made in-house. Yeah. Um, but as a, yeah, they've been making so independent movies since the early 2010s, more or less. Uh, but usually what I think of is a very kind of understated, specific usually lush looking film um and it depends they have you know they traffic in all kinds of genres because they've done like stuff like ex machina with like sci-fi or uh, annihilation wasn't an a24 movie was it i don't think so Uh, um what's that guy's name that made both of those uh alex garland alex garland yeah yeah um but I, i couldn't remember about that but like stuff like that or um under the skin which uh was one of their first kind of bigger movies which i which I, I can speak for both of us, but especially me, I'm a big Jonathan Glazer fan. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. love his movies. Uh, it's a shame he's only made three because they're so out there, totally different, weird. And, it, and there should be uh, said that there's a know. decent amount of space between each of them. Right. I think and there's that, a smaller amount of space between Birth and uh, Under the Sexy skin. Beast. Right. Oh, right. No, no so that's right. Yeah, early because, 2000s, because like, uh, you know, Sexy them. Beast came out about 2000, and Birth was like in the mid-2000s like or 04, something. 2005, yeah. something like that. Um, but, so highly recommend some time after that before Under yeah. the Skin came along. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to tip, but I also think a lot of... Specifically, maybe this can transition maybe into that in a moment, but I think of a lot of their horror movies they make because they make a lot of those, like The Witch and the Ari Aster movies and um, uh, It Comes at Night and, like I said, Under the Skin, although Under the Skin was an earlier version of that and it's so out there, kind of different and weird, it doesn't fit into those other ones as much, I don't think. But um, I know, yeah, I would agree with all that. For me, there's been a lot of debate whether or not A24's... uh, quote a good thing for independent film i'd yeah. say it mostly is but i i sympathize with people who say that in many ways it represents a certain commodification of film uh of independent film or of like art cinema that's like seen by a little bit more of a wider audience um because it should be said you know for us where we live kind of in western north carolina um you know charlotte we, we've made plenty of trips to Charlotte or Asheville to see, yeah. uh, quote, smaller movies. Um, and even where we're at, oftentimes it's gotten a little better in recent, well, years other than the year we've yeah, been, went right. through. But yeah. in recent years, seeing these A24 movies, because they have started to get a foothold in an audience. And even people who aren't super into film or into movies recognize, oh, this is a certain type of different sort of movie. Right. And I think that's important, especially with the horror movies, to kind of create this... Um, kind of, you could say, I guess, audience or movie-going constituency that's going to consistently go to these type of movies. Right. But I also sympathize with people who think that, oh, that some of these movies aren't that deep, that they traffic in purely just um, kind of images uh, in the sense of that there's not a lot of ideas going on and that they sort of hit a roteness yeah. or repetition. 
and I certainly don't think Waves fit into this no. category, but some of the negative reviews on Waves have trafficked in that idea that they're not um, nearly as deep as they had ho- as it hopes or aspires to be. Um, there was a review in particular that I think kind of sums up this idea. I'm going to try to find real quick as a letterbox review I'd seen okay. um, from a guy that I generally like, uh, Josh Lewis. Um, what he says here about Waves, I think could be what someone who doesn't like this movie and in general the A24 um, type of movie uh, quantified. When he said, um, real 2013 Tumblr cinema, deeply contrived, monotonous histrionics and misery porn with the volume of the extremity of the directing cranked up to 11. Really feels like Schultz wanted to make a Spotify playlist more than a movie. Some nice performances, especially when given the chance to breathe after things settle down a bit in the second half. But someone pleased by this man a blanking tripod. Um, and so, mm-hmm. um, I don't agree with that. Yeah. But I kind of can see why someone b- would be led, led to that conclusion. And again, there's a certain crowd in kind of on film Twitter or in the letterbox community that doesn't really love, as I said, the direction that A24 represents. But again, for us and people who are just, you know, I'd say, you know, fairly thoughtful consumers of contemporary cinema, the fact that even though it in, in in itself, when you go to an A24 movie, if you want to put that in quotes yeah. or italics, you kind of know what you're going to get in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's still, and there, there are conventions in that. And that's something we've personally talked a lot about with the yeah. horror movies, that they um, kind of open themselves really wide and seem like it's going to be about this really expansive thing, but by the end of it arrives at some very contrived like places and yeah. places that ultimately you're like, oh, okay, of course it's going yeah. to do that. Specifically, I, I think I'll take this moment to speak about Ari Aster because you like his movies more than I do, I think. I'm, I'm not, not even totally in love with yeah. him, but I'm a little more sympathetic I'm not really a fan. Um, I like Hereditary okay, um, you liked it even more after you saw. I liked it even more <laughs> after I saw Midsummer, which I low key loathed. I think it's a, like if I gave it on a star scale, I give it two and a half out of five. Like I, yeah. I think it's an ambitious film. I mean, it, you know, but um, it just that's specifically over these last few years. It's like the like you said the the roteness of these horror movies that they make specifically with in hereditary's example specifically is like oh man what's going on here what is this thing and it's like uh, spoiler i guess if you haven't seen it i frankly don't care but if you haven't <laughs> seen it by now um oh it's just a cult yeah they're all of midsummer well, I mean, oh it's just a cult well, hereditary that went to that po- oh you said yeah, that, yeah. no with the hereditary yeah. yeah no i know cuz midsummer it's clear that's what it is from right. the beginning right but with specifically i remember seeing the trailer for hereditary and being it, like, it felt so new yeah, and different, and yeah. and it specifically has this kind of visual palette that really reminds me of Beetlejuice in a way. The way that that movie looks, it's like sure. this kind of rustic. And I was like, oh, I love it because you know, that's one of my favorite movies, is Beetlejuice. And I was just like, oh man. And obviously, I could tell the movie was not going to be funny like Beetlejuice right. is. But I was really anticipating that movie actually quite. I was like, oh, what's this going to be? And then it was just what it was. Um, I, and, and I, I do like know. I still like the movie I, I've been wanting to rewatch it because we've only still seen yeah. it once Hereditary um, I actually subjected myself to Midsummer twice in the theater uh, yeah, I only I, did that once yeah so. Um, and, and so I, I think the presence of Ari Aster is interesting but again to that point of the roteness that the eight quote the A24 movie is something that again 
is comparable in some ways to what Miramax was in the 80s and 90s of this kind of larger group of independent films that um, a lot of independent films fall through a crack a cracks and are not going to be seen. But a group like A24, it, the, again, just their logo, and people see yeah. that logo and they think they kind of have an association with what those sorts of movies are. And there's nothing wrong with a studio having a brand of, to right. speak of, um, especially one that isn't trafficking in purely blockbuster um, movies. Right. But I think, again, and I'm generally a fan of a lot of A24 yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are some of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Especially some that they've bought, like The Lobster, or yes. uh, which we're a big fan of. I know of, my personal... Or, per, yeah. This would be a good chance to talk about this. What's your personally favorite A24 movie? I know mine would most likely be A Most Violent Year. Which that would be up there for me. For. I have a hard time picking one. Good Time would also be up Good there. Good Time. Green Room, I'm still a big fan of. I know that's kind of... At a very specific place in our culture, pop culturally now, um, That not to get too political, but it came it out at a time that um, fascism seemed very strange for a moment. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't anymore. Yeah. Um, but it uh, that, came that, out yeah. at a very specific time where white supremacy was kind of I think even we even I had fooled myself into thinking that such a thing didn't exist as much anymore and then you even had Charlottesville was even a couple years after that. Twenty seventeen, yeah. So Green Room's a very strange movie to return to, but I'm still a big fan of and, that. And um but, I really loved um, it in the moment and I yeah. still like and respect it. That's a movie I can't frankly I don't I have no interest in rewatching yeah. anytime soon. I want to let breathe for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, 20th Century Women's another. I'm another. I'm a big fan of that. That's too. that's awesome. Um, that's a great movie. Yeah. And Lady Bird is another one, of course. Um, I think in in a lot of ways, I think Lady Bird represents really the very best of A24. Yeah. To the extent that it might very well be the best A24 movie yet, I, I would go yeah. as far as to say I think. And Waves is another one for me that I think is really high up there. Yeah. Um, also, another movie I want to mention just because I, I well, we can talk about that in a moment actually because I have something I want to say about another uh, thing. But what were we going to say about? Are we kind of done talking about the horror movies? I had one thing I wanted to say. Well, about just that, that um, I think it's a, it makes sense that they're going to invest in that heavily because horror movies are consistently the highest. A bit of return yeah. on any movie you can invest in. So I think they really go after that because that serves as a base for them to fund a great many right. other movies that are not going to be important. So in that yeah. way, I think their horror movies are important, even in their roteness, because for the company overall, it creates a more stable economic base through which they can fund a movie like Waves, which you yeah. can tell is definitely made for more than $2.5 million, right. but is only going to gross that. So. Yeah. Uh, and I had mentioned as far as other favorite A24 movies, Under the Skin would be another one mm -hmm. of mine. And then also, uh, what was that? Well, Room is very good. You haven't seen that. No, I'd but, like to, yeah. Um, that's a very serious movie. Um, Swiss and, Army Man. Oh, I remember man. that one's wacky. One thing I have to say about that really quickly, and we'll move on. The ending of that movie, do you remember how that movie ended where, like, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe was literally farting out to sea? Yeah. I saw that <laughs> at, um, at UNCW in Lumina. Yeah. And I remember watching that, and everybody, that's the hardest I've ever heard a theater laugh. Yeah. It was just, and I thought it was pretty funny, you yeah. know, but I, I was so shocked. Everybody was just so shocked by the movie. Right. Um, if you don't know what that's about, just go look it up. I don't even know how to explain it. But, um, yeah, anyway, 
There was another one I felt like I wanted to bring up. Really well, it should be said Moonlight. Uh, Moonlight. Which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And that movie has now, I think in, that also represents a lot of the best with A24. I'd say that and Lady Bird yeah. in a lot of ways, that those are the movies that have really, quote, broken through in yeah. a way that a lot of these movies, while respected and loved by cinephiles, don't necessarily have people outside of that bubble right. who see them. I'd say those are two movies that have kind of broken through a little yeah. bit and have been seen by more people. Yeah. And to that point, I think this will take us to the next place. Mm -hmm. I think a big thing about A24 when you look at a lot of these movies is that they've essentially served as a farm system for a lot of the young, great American filmmakers yeah. of this moment. Because uh, when you think of A24, you think of a lot of young filmmakers. You think of Barry Jenkins. You think of the Safdie brothers. You think of Trey Edward Schultz. Mm -hmm. And also to that point, David Lowry, who's another filmmaker yeah. I'm very excited about. But let's just start with Trey Edward Schultz here. Um, He's made three movies, as we said. Yeah. Krisha, It Comes at Night, and now this. And as of now, I think it's an open... It's The road's open. It's not been yeah. said what exactly he's going to be well, doing. Well, he had just finished um, this and was doing the whole circuit for it in 2019, and then COVID happened. Right. So right now, we're kind of in a strange place where who knows what anybody's sure. going to do. Um, but for you, what about Trey Edward Schultz separates him not that he's any better or worse, but just what makes him special among the more modern young filmmakers for you? Well, one thing I'd like to maybe start with is that when I think about those horror films that they've made, yeah, one of these is not a horror movie in the in, in all of a conventional sense. So also, a lot of these have been called post-horror yeah, now, that's a whole phrase which a lot been... of horror fans have bones to pick with, which I'm not even going to give I can my opinion on that, that necessarily. But that specifically... Um, it comes at night, and a ghost story, yeah. which were which was made by um, David, Lowry. David Lowry, are both films that, and I don't even think that is a conventional horror movie because if you watch it, it's a ghost story. It's literally called a ghost story, so yeah. it's about a ghost, but it is not at all no. a horror film. No. Um, and uh, and both of them, of course, what's of course we can talk about this later when we talk about the mood, the style of this of waves. I think. We'll very understandably we'll talk about in this way, but both of them were kind of prodigies of Terrence Malick. Yes, um, and I think that and might be can, why they're as great as they are. You can definitely but, see the influence. You know, yeah, but neither one of them feel like Terrence Malick no. clones. They all no, feel like they, don't. they feel like somebody who oh would be attracted to the way he stylizes his movies, but are very clearly their own voices, right. their own artists, which is exciting. Um, and frankly, it seems a little unlikely that Terrence Malick, of all directors, would have any sort of an influence in terms of people who worked with him because his style is so idiosyncratic yeah. and so particular. I, on paper, I wouldn't necessarily assume he would be the guy who would like have these people who work under him that then go on to do great things. Yeah. But it's clearly that has happened because two of the two of the most exciting directors today, again, are. For me, Trevor Schultz and David Lowry. Yeah. And David Lowry, it should be said, has made more movies at this point than yeah. Schultz. He's a little bit yeah, older, so. I believe. Um, and it's weird. One of the most exciting movies of recent years for me um, was actually The Old Man and the mm -hmm. Gun. Yeah. And what's interesting is it was actually not quite as good as some of the other movies he had made, like A Ghost Story. Um, I think it was maybe a little better than Ain't Them Body Saints. But, yeah. Um, and, but what it represents for me as someone who is if, of this younger generation but is slowly starting to age into making certain types yeah. of movies. Again, what is important about some of these, quote, A24 movies, especially ones that are, quote, the drama, which is something I want to end this discussion yeah. with before we uh, uh, go to the movie itself, um, is that a lot of these types of movies, like An Old Man the Gun, which was not an A24 movie, I believe... 
Sony or Fox Searchlight maybe made that. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But that a lot of these type of mid-budget, quote, dramas are kind of lost in contemporary yeah. cinema. And so it's exciting to see somebody like a David Lowry still trying to work in that right. tradition of a movie that's lost. Um, but again, to Trey Edward Schultz, yeah. what's obviously very, I think, important about him, all the reviews we read all referenced the way that he uses the camera. Uh, made comparisons, as some to Malick, but also to some of his contemporaries even, like Barry Jenkins, like the Safties. Um, I think I saw a few Gaspar Noé references yeah, in there like as well. Yeah, like something like Enter the Void uh, or, yeah. or uh, Irreversible. Yeah. But what's special about Waves in particular is that it has the feeling of youth. It feels yeah. like a movie made by a young person. And again, I think he was like 30 when the movie came right. out, so he's relatively young. Um, but it has this feeling of youth, but also the structure itself is one of maturity. Mm-hmm. It's one that understands this moment will not last forever. Right. And also, while you're caught up in your own moment, there are other people having their own versions of the moment yeah. and are in different places and telling different stories. Yeah. And so it's kind of the perfect, quote, youth movie in the sense that it has this exuberance, it has this feeling of invincibility to it, while also having, again, this structural maturity right. that shows this will not last forever. And it's been compared a lot to uh, Wong Kar Wai's Chungking Express as far as the um, structure of the movie, um, which that movie obviously is far more loose and open and it's yeah. like not as insular. But it, but I think that says a lot, too, about um, that kind of maturity thing you're talking about of uh, really culling from a movie like that which has become such an influence on modern yeah. movie I mean yeah. it's probably if not the most influence it's like that and Pulp Fiction which well, both I came think, out the same year I think he, he specifically has even dropped he, no, he Trey said, Edward Schultz has said no, he that, said it was a big influence and yeah. also we can talk about the music maybe in the movie later but it uses the song uh, What a Difference a Day Makes which is a big part of that movie as well Yeah. Um, but yeah I think that um yeah, it's a, like you said, I think that's an interesting way to think about it is that also you think about music, and maybe this is the time to talk about the music in the movie very yeah, quickly, but the it is kind of like a contrast in, in music in a way that um, the opening of the movie, the whole kind of first half is very fast, it's very loose, it's very, um, and I'll talk about what I think about his style in a moment, specifically with Krisha in this movie, Um it's very, um, it's it's almost like a uh, similar to a Safety Brothers movie. It's very yeah. fast. Yeah. You feel almost like constricted by yeah. it. It's it's very tense. Um, and the way he specifically yeah. uses the camera early on, we were just conditioned as audiences. Like when you see a uh, a shot in a car, and the camera's spinning the way it is, you're just waiting for a car to come out of yeah, nowhere and be hit. a car crash. And so yeah. like it. Um, it adds to this tension that is not realized in that moment, yeah. but it's already starting to a ticking clock in our head subconsciously of like something's going to happen, right? Whether it's going to be in this he, moment or like later that moment, on, like, it's one of you know youthful joy and like you said, uh, thinking you're invincible. And the um, whole world yeah, and the whole future's right. in front of you, yeah. and what can what can happen? And again. Um, just to get a little personal here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a high school social studies teacher. And yeah, you know, you're a high school teacher as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I see, I see so much in this movie, reflective of the attitudes of yeah. a lot of youth that I deal with on a daily basis. A lot, and I've even had conversations with certain youth that have 
certain injuries that are on the cusp of whether or not they're going to be able to play this or yeah. that sport. And I tell them I'm just one voice and many voices telling you a lot of things in your life. And so yeah. feel free to take what I say with a grain of salt, but and give them advice, usually erring on the side of caution or more conservative that yeah. you maybe don't need to do this. And I can see in their eyes, like, oh, here's another adult telling me mm-hmm. what to do. Yeah. And I feel like this movie does a really good job of capturing that attitude yeah. um, in a really good way. Again, the soundtrack, very important, uh, yeah. you know, reflective of this movie. And something uh, I was, I've was i been thinking about, I don't know if I've told you this before, uh, with Krisha, yeah. is... And it's interesting to see the evolution because you know it comes at night, doesn't it? It's really actually very different because I was going to say, I don't right. think at all. Yeah, as score and uh, and even the style of it, I find to be quite different from. Yeah, these Krisha two. and Waves are much yeah. more of right. a piece. I feel like. Yeah. Um. But uh, I remember it when we watched Krisha, it has the the uh, oh the Nina Simone song that's at the end of Before Sunset. Uh, yeah. Just in time, the live yeah, version. Right. The exact same song. And I really like Chris a lot. Yeah. But I remember in the moment going like, oh, really? You're going to quote from that yeah. and take that? Because we've talked a lot about before, like with soundtracks of movies. If a certain movie takes and owns a piece of music, like um, some of the music in 2001, yeah. like it takes or, and owns yeah. music, then yeah. when Days of Heaven tries to... Uh, uh, or. Uh, no, not Days of Heaven. Well, uh, Harold and Maude used well, it at one point, too. But... No, oh, but, no, uh, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yeah, Excuse you're talking me. about the Blue Danube Waltz. And that. Right, when right. that uses that, you're like, oh, you think you're on par with 2001 to do that. I feel like with Harold and Maude, it's a slightly different thing yeah. because the scale of the movie is right. far different. But a movie like Heaven's Gate, which is turns out to be a great movie. Yeah. I mean, when I first saw it, like, oh, you're going to use that piece of music? Uh, and 2001 already did that. Hmm. Okay, you're really yeah, putting right. yourself out there. But then, by the this is going off on a tangent yeah. on uh, Heaven's Gate. At the end of that movie, the way it reprises itself made me go, Oh, okay, yeah. no, you actually did point. something different. Right. It has a this. point to why. It's Anyways, that. yeah. When you use just in time, you are putting yourself on par with. You're trying to. You're inherently comparing yourself. To one of the best film endings of all time, right. with Before Sunset. Yeah. So I remember and he thinking said in those interviews that he's a very much inspired by Linklater yeah. and loves his movies. Trilogy so, specifically, right. he said. Yeah. So um, I remember thinking, oh, okay, okay. You think you're? I mean, I just think it's something interesting when a filmmaker yeah. does it because they're clearly aware of what's already been used to that. But anyways, with this movie. A lot of the music that's at work is very contemporary, very yeah. new. A lot of music that has not been touched by a lot of right. other movies. So he's already kind of placing a sense of ownership, not only for this music, but for his generation's um, associations yeah. with this music, which makes and, it feel different. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say we're not fans of a lot of the music that is in this movie. We're not really big hip-hop people. No. Um, but I think it's it, used... But, I mean, it's well, amazing. Really well. No, it's... Spe- and when I think, and we should say that the music, the score for the movie is by, of course, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who have slowly who, uh, yeah. been uh, produced some of the best film right. scores and TV scores uh, and, over the last yeah. decade, really um, since their association with David Fincher. But when I think of the movie, though, I actually don't think of their music as mm. much. I think of you said Kanye. I, I am a god in yeah. this movie specifically, which is. It, we were talking about this earlier. When that comes up in the movie, I'm really going to try to not be laughing because I actually think that song is totally hilarious. Yeah. But in the, in the movie, context it the movie is, is deeply serious. Yeah. And I, and it's a deeply serious use of the song. Yeah. Um, and is amazing. I, and 
and even the movie ends with True Love Waits, the Radiohead song. We're big Radiohead fans. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, like it's one of those things that it teaches you that even though I'm not really a fan of a lot of this music um, and don't listen to it at, at all regularly, that it really works in the movie. And yeah. it, I mean, you know, obviously, but... Um, and um, we might, I don't know if we already mentioned this, but uh, Sean Fantasy in The Ringer, he was a huge um, disciple mm-hmm. of trying to get this movie out there and talk about it with people. Um he he said something on par with American Graffiti. Uh, yeah. You'll find that quote real quick. I think it's interesting. He said about yeah, American Graffiti. It'll take me just a moment. Um, I'll find that. And which is, of course, a movie we've already done. Um, yeah. I think something that does separate this from American Graffiti, obviously, is that this is in uh, effectively contemporary. Yeah. Um, it's not set in some historical context, even a recent historical context, I don't feel. I right. think you got it now. Yeah, I've got it. He said... Um, Though its tone is more severe and high tension, which is certainly true, yeah. um, Waves has an energy that recalls American graffiti. A portrait of a generation on the brink of something. Is it madness, disappointment, generosity? Schultz never quite says definitely, though you can read deeply into his musical cues. They're precise. So, again, you know, we've already touched on American graffiti over the whole podcast, but um, I think there's a feeling ever since American graffiti that every generation, quote, gets their American graffiti. Yeah. Um. In some roundabout way, dazed and confused was another big reference. I know that he's a uh, Schultz is a big Linkletter fan, and mm-hmm. he said that he was inspired by dazed and confused. Um, and so again, I guess what the last place to put this. Well, one but, thing I want to yeah. say about the music really yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah. I had something I was going to say about that. That you. One thing I'll say about Krisha. The way I remember that movie specifically is it feels almost like early Paul Thomas Anderson, like with that John Bryan score yeah. and like punch drunk love right. it's like every moment is oppressive yeah and it's so it feels so loud and like uh i remember there's those scenes in that movie where it's like trevor schultz in the movies kind of playing a version yeah. of himself and him and some of his like uh cousins or family members it's like around thanksgiving are like playing real rough with each other and the music's right, right. really like and it's like that remind that reminds me of this movie too the whole first half it's like you said, that first moment in the movie where they're in the car and the camera's spinning and they're all happy, but it just every moment feels oppressive in this way that's very well, to that point, strange. To the way the movie uses kind of these color vignettes yeah. is very clearly like uh, feels punch like Punch Drunk Love. Right. And to that point, and I want to take this to the last place here, uh, with Trevor Schultz and with uh, the Safety Brothers, with Barry Jenkins, they all represent, again, this new, quote, new generation of American filmmaker um, that is the first generation that in large part was inspired by the 90s mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, who at that point were the new fresh face of American cinema. And here we are a few years later, and we have these new filmmakers. Um, and I, I'm not just saying this. Really feel like if you're gonna make some com- loose comparisons, Tradward Schultz really feels like he is especially aspired by Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I know his favorite film. I think I've heard him say is "There Will Be Blood." Mm-hmm. So he is very clearly, I think, trying to do not copy PTA, but he is like uh, he's it's it's a, the first generation of director who has seen a lot of PTA yeah. and is now trying to apply that with his own style. And to that point, the, quote the drama. I know something that we're still really obsessed with in a healthy way, I think, yeah. and really really want to go after, quote, what is, an interesting, what is the, quote, the drama in the late 2010s or early 2020s? Um, 
And again, as I said earlier, I think this movie is, as we said, a capital D drama. It is very much, doesn't really have any genre elements other than those of the drama, which are much more abstract in a lot of ways than other movies. Um, And again, a movie like Waves, I feel like 20 years ago, would have been something that would have been more talked about and would have maybe got some more awards buzz, which is all bogus anyways. Who cares about awards? But it would have been a more talked about in the culture movie. Yeah. Why isn't it now? That's a big question. Uh, I don't know even know where to start. Um, I don't know. I don't even know where to start with I that. Think Maybe part of it, I think part can... of it has to do with the fact that while this movie is about teenagers, I don't know, frankly, a lot of teenagers who'd be interested in no, watching this. Never. I feel like the yeah. whole teen audience for any type of movie like this has totally disappeared. Yeah, Most of it's gone to TV. Um but I feel as though even, and I'm not really trying to make this about kids today. I yeah, know, I, I, it's, yeah, it's so much about the industry as well. Yeah, um, where to be in a to play in a movie theater, you got to be one of a few things. A, you've got to be a big budget superhero movie, IP movie, Disney movie, yeah. something that is really immediately is quote a reason why people want to leave the house. Yeah, now. TV has gotten better in recent years, so there's this assumption that, oh, since TV's gotten better, then people need to go... The reason people want to get out of the house is to see something they, quote, can't see at home, which for a long time meant, oh, a Marvel movie, a superhero movie, something that's, quote, big on a big, you know, like a big budget movie. Yeah. But then then there's a tier below that, though, that's like, well, if it's like a, quote, Oscar movie, or it's like a movie like... 1917, which came out a few years ago, that's like, you know, we were talking about this earlier today, 20 years ago would have been like a Saving Private Ryan in the sense of like, oh, it's another big war movie, which Saving Private Ryan's great, yeah. don't get me wrong, but um, it's a it's a, this big war movie, it's a reason to get out of the house, and it has a sense of spectacle to it, yeah. right? And again, at the time, that was new and, and novel. It's like, well, war movies have been around for a long time, but like, oh, that is a reason to get out of the house now. Um and so what happens, unfortunately, is movies like Waves that were these mid-tier, um, you know, if it got some awards buzz at festivals, it would certainly be more celebrated than it was like the Academy Awards. Yeah. But um, had an audience that people would discover it on home video, that whole paradigm has just disappeared. Um, yeah. And now it's like, oh, maybe I'll catch it on streaming or on Netflix but in a world where basically the entirety of cinema or the history of cinema, well, not on Netflix really, but like no, through but all of streaming, it exists, it exists out there. It's very easy to find. Something like yeah. this is just going to unfortunately slip through the cracks. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a massive tragedy. And, yeah, and like I, one thing I'll say about it, it's interesting. Like, I think it, it has to do with this idea of TV supremacy now because Euphoria is essentially a, the same thing that this is. For And I know a lot of people my age who are obsessed with euphoria mm-hmm. they love it. It, it i mean it it speaks to their experience as as young people like this movie does too i think but i think that is what the problem is is that somewhere along the way streaming and tv has dictated well we'll watch a show but a movie i don't know about that though yeah. you know and it, it and that's so that's strange, another that's though. a whole other problem yeah. that i think is connected to this is that Far more now, adults and kids alike um, are weirdly much more open to committing six to twelve hours at a time 
to a single narrative as opposed to watching a single narrative for about two hours. Yeah. I'm totally baffled by this. I don't understand this. I think in part of it, it's uh, the narrative arc is less severe and less drastic because if you're stretching out story for yeah. 12 hours, the valley, the peaks and valleys are in some ways lower, but it also they happen on an episode-to-episode mm-hmm. basis. So the dopamine hits of, quote, okay, this was a story arc is much quicker. Yeah. And... That's not to say there's not great stuff being done on TV of because not. there's yeah. uh, we've some yeah. of our best things. I mean, Mad Men that is a, yeah. a masterwork of television. Um, the Leftovers. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on about a lot of awesome TV that we've been really impressed by in recent years. Yeah. But um, cinema, particularly cinema like this, that would be shown in a theater, is an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Is not really. It's one of those things that's going to disappear onto a, on a streaming platform. And I think years are going to go by and there will be a certain audience that develops for a movie like this. Um, but by then, there's going to be so many other things. And that's another huge thing. It's all notion of, quote, content. Yeah. Which is something that Martin Scorsese wrote about recently. And he has also been very critical of the whole Marvel movie machine. Yeah. Um, and he's become a whipping post, if you want to call it that, for a lot of younger people who, um, frankly, aren't interested in cinema. Mm-hmm. They're interested in Marvel movies or big movies that are going to use him as a, uh, oh, he's old, he's out of touch, he doesn't get it, all this stuff. Um, and to that point, we'll touch on this at the end, by the end of this, um, I'm really interested to see what Trayvon Schultz's future is. Yeah. Um, because he's very clearly interested in making these types of movies. Is he going to get suckered in? And I use, do use that word, suckered mm-hmm. in, to making yeah. kind of some big superhero because movie. that's happened or to people like Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins is going to be doing a line. Chloe Zhao is going to be doing yeah. some stuff. I mean, yeah. Like, and, so, and even Ava DuVernay with like mm-hmm. some of the that, uh, new, time gods and, new gods. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so... I don't know. It really leaves me <laughs> yeah. at a, kind of a, frankly, a hopeless place in terms yeah. of what the future I, of the medium is. But I think that is. is the main reason we're kind of to maybe wrap it up here, this first part of the episode before we get into the movie. I think that's why we're doing this, is to advocate yeah. for this movie. And, um, and again, this is by far, I think, the biggest yeah. advocation we're making so far of, uh, for people to please watch this movie. Uh, I don't think that everyone's going to love it because, no. as I said, I think some of the... Well, some of the things, if you're... Uh, if you're, you know, if you're in the in what I read from Josh Lewis, you might think that some people might just be too overwhelmed by the emotions of the movie itself yeah. and not be interested. It, it in, is in an overwhelming, especially the first half. I know a lot of people, like Matt Singer specifically, said he hated the first half, yeah, but loved the second one. Mm-hmm. Now, between me and you, I think we would agree we prefer the second one. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but that first one, I mean is really great, and it's a challenging movie. Yeah. It's a challenging, especially that, and I think the second. Uh, part of the movie is very challenging yeah too um and it's not but, challenging in the way of a um uh, oh god who's the guy who did primer uh oh uh, i don't remember uh, yeah. i'm gonna i've gotta look this up i know you're yelling it if yeah. you listen to this you're already yelling it maybe um it's not challenging in the way of a shane caruth yeah movie. that's who it is um of like what is going on right. that's not in question at all um, but it is challenging in the sense of the emotions that it's dealing with yeah. and the sense of youth lost and youth uh, wasted wasted and 
and so ruined. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's going to be a challenging one for us, as we've already said. Yeah, I'm interested so to see we're, you know, we when we wrote this down, we already knew that this is going to be a different kind of episode. But frankly, uh, I think it's one that needs to be done, both for us and yeah. for frankly you to take it in for yourself, the movie itself. Um, so anything else to say before? Well, we, uh, uh, just that on we're this? gonna, you know. We're going to be able to talk about the movie, obviously, but this is only going to be our second time seeing it. Yeah. Um, we both saw it originally via Redbox. Yeah. Um, in like early, about basically a year ago, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to be a challenging movie for us to do. We might just be a little more quiet during this one than we are in other yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, and that's fine, yeah. I think. Um, but if you're, uh, don't hear us for a while, we're not asleep. Yeah. Um, we're just, uh, <laughs> Just taking you know, it in. We're just taking it in and trying to get through it in the best way. Yeah. So, so yeah. we're going to take a brief break now, and then when we're back, we're going to be looking at 2019's Waves. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. How I do It's been hard, hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you How you doing with everything? I'm good Just a sweet word You know it's okay if you're not The table is prepared for you I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world It's not easy out there Everything I do is for you Everything I know you're under a lot of pressure right now But I'm just getting really scared You'll have this place to call home. Everything's gonna be okay, all right? Always. We're in this together. Before we start Waves, our tradition, we like to run through why it's rated what it is. It is a rated R film, very definitively, I'd say. Um, Language throughout drug and alcohol use, some sexual content, and brief violence, all involving teens. Uh Uh-oh. So, So, if you're a teenager... Not tweens. If you're you're a teenager, like, make smart, healthy decisions. Yeah. And we're watching this via uh, the standard issue Blu-ray that was put out. Um, and we actually also just saw that there's an audio commentary with Schultz and uh, Harrison, so uh, you know maybe that maybe they have way more interesting things to say. Yeah. I'm sure they do than what we'll say, yeah. but you know, so check that out. We'll have to check that out at some point. And we're gonna hit play in five, four, three, two, one. A twenty four, which yep. we've talked at length about. 
Oh, it's Braun Studios. I think that's LeBron James's uh, his production oh, really? companies. I think. Okay, I know. I see them around yeah. with certain movies. Yeah, of course. Interestingly, I'd forgotten this till I read some of the reviews that the movie actually begins and ends with her on the bicycle. Funny enough, but yeah. Um, Which, as we said earlier, I believe this is about all entirely shot in South Florida. Mm-hmm. I think it certainly takes place there. And that was another comparison point between Moonlight yeah. and this. Yeah, specifically with the scenes of uh, them in the water and all that type of stuff. Uh, yeah. That visually. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's like... We're just conditioning the audience to think when a camera's swirling around in a car like this, there's going to be some catastrophe. Well, I'm always in the opinion anytime I see a scene in a car in a movie that if somebody looks away from the road for two seconds, I'm expecting a car crash. Yeah. And that's way more docile than what this even is, you know. Right. And uh, we, we can already tell the sound on this could be going up and down throughout yeah. uh, because the movie itself is obviously as very loud musical moments and or sound moments and then can go to dead quiet right. also later yeah. on so just keep that in mind if you're listening to this and sound goes up and down you don't see a lot of you know there are a lot of high school movies that are at, or the, the Characters are athletes. You don't see necessarily a lot of rest, high school wrestling movies, no. um, so that that makes this a little bit novel in that way. I think now would be a good point to mention this because I think it needs to be a big talking point of the movie. Trevor Schultz is white. We're both white. Yeah. Um, I think though, obviously, this movie being about a black family, yeah, totally works. Well, it was generally praised for that right. as well. Now there were a lot of white critics who there's praised that Trisha, it, yeah. his uh, aunt, yeah. But I, even Wesley Morris, who's obviously a very prominent uh, black critic, writes for the New York Times. He also had a lot of good things to say about this movie oh, good. in that regard. Okay. I know. I don't know if he wrote a review for it, but I, I remember hearing well, him on some part, podcast talking yeah, about it. Yeah, part of Sterling K. Brown's pressure in the movie is this idea of we are, you know, an African American family. We have to push ourselves to be successful. Yeah. Um, and that's a big kind of, you know, part of the movie, so. Yeah. Um. What I was going to say earlier about It Comes at Night is that does, you know, feel very much apart from a lot of those A24 horror movies, but also feels, it reminds me a lot of some of the Robert Eggers films like The Witch. Yeah. Um. But so it's a little more different than normal, I think, for his films, for Schultz's films. But it's still very different, for, a little more different than those other horror movies. Sure, so, that's fair. Um, I, I agree. You don't usually see a colorist credited in the beginning of the uh, opening credits of a movie. Right. And I think it's interesting credited here, or even necessarily a sound designer. Mm-hmm.
it was interesting as well, I wanted to say about some of the camera work already, that I actually already was kind of think reminded me of Malik in a weird way, mm-hmm. even though it's far more extreme in its movement. Yeah. Uh, I was already like, oh, this kind of reminds me of something, and I was kind of thinking, oh, it kind of, you know, sure. sort of reminded me of that. Specifically, some the Tree of Life, I think, especially which he, I think, had worked. Was it he had worked on some of that? Or yeah, was and I it think Lowry also the Voyage did, of Time. Or, I think oh, also right. he did that as well. Yeah. yeah. Trevor Schultz is actually a co-editor on this. Hmm. You don't normally see that. And there was his sister who was obviously yeah. in the beginning uh, riding the bike as well. Yeah, because one thing I was going to say about the music earlier, I kind of was going to say Life, Life of Pablo, Pablo poster. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a lot of people being like, you got a Life of Pablo poster. I don't know, you know, whatever. But, um, I mean, Kanye used to love Kanye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but specifically that the early, you know, scenes in this movie, or the the you know, the first section of the movie follows a much more um, aggressive and oppressive kind of uh, musical tempo and that the second part is a lot more of kind of like more reserved quieter slower music which I feel perfectly represents youth culture now the types of music they listen to there's kind of two separate sure. you know things of, of that what i understand because i don't listen sure frankly to a lot of more popular music these days but um. yeah Interesting too. This movie ha- uses a lot of social media as far yeah. as showing them on Instagram yeah. or on Snapchat. Yeah, because I had seen there was a whole kind of thing about they created a separate Instagram account for his like the character. Yeah, Kelvin Harrison. Yeah, character, and that yeah. at different scenes they would just say, "Go on your Instagram. We're going to film that now." And it was just kind of you know strange to hear that. That's a very modern idea, you know. Yeah. And that's I know I know a frustration we've talked about at length and shared together with some of our favorite older directors is the they kind of seem to get lost in making a lot of period pieces. Yeah, not like not Paul presume, Thomas Anderson or Quentin Tarantino or, or the Coen Brothers. The Coen Brothers, uh, that, yeah. I guess yeah. After you get a certain status in the industry, you're allowed to do that more and more. Obviously, as your prestige increases. Yeah. And that's something that is exciting about a lot of these younger directors is that they're more plugged in if you want to call it that right. to contemporary culture and that or more interested I should say in depicting yeah. contemporary culture which makes again their work valuable yeah uh, in the long run and it should be said all those directors when they were younger made movies that spoke to that contemporary uh-huh. culture yeah. but you know That is disappointing uh, at a point, I think, with certain, those older directors. Like, why don't you just do something new, you yeah, know? Yeah, specifically like, I mean, PTA, who yeah. we'll liberally name drop on here because he's one of our favorite filmmakers. Yeah, he's my the, favorite uh, filmmaker, yes. So. Uh, really, the most contemporary stuff he does now is the ham videos or the... Haim, yeah. yeah. Haim videos or the... Uh, uh, Some of the Radiohead, Radiohead music stuff, videos, yeah. yeah. Which are great, and it's like, yeah, yeah why don't you do more... 
contemporary thing. Yeah, because yeah. the last contemporary thing he did was uh, Punch, Punch Drunk Love, Love yeah. which is almost 20 years ago now. <laughs> that look of like, how dare you. And it, I know we've talked about this before. It's so strange to see certain movies that have crowd scenes now yeah. and be like, oh, why aren't they wearing masks? Or they're socially and, distanced, especially in a church. And we were just at church today. Yeah. And like, it's weird to see big crowds again in a church. Like, yeah. Anywhere. But, Unmasked. Yeah. yeah. Like Kane was at that one point, mm-hmm. as, you, as you recall. But like I said, we brought up Chungking Express earlier. Love that movie. Big, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Um, if we were going to do a foreign movie, actually, that would be one I would be yeah. interested in attempting. Like you said, without getting too, you know, into the actual things you had said recently about a situation that you're dealing with that's similar yeah. to this. And I was just like, literally, this is the first thing I thought of. Obviously, I was like, oh, man, that's just yeah. sad, you know. But like, Yeah, and especially, again, I teach mostly upperclassmen. Um, yeah, because it's their like last and some seniors, here. And yeah. by that point, they're at the end of school, especially uh, – you know, some that maybe does don't have collegiate aspirations necessarily. That that's their that's their last thing. But they're right. going to be really especially because school. of COVID has really yeah. decreased that. And, yeah, and that's yeah. been a huge hamper to a lot of things. And yeah, um, so there's a lot of pressures. I understand these kids are going through, and some put on by their parents, and then some by other teachers or coaches. And and again, that's why. Yeah. You gotta, as a teacher, you gotta recognize that you're one of a bunch of voices in this child's life who's telling them to do this or that. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, they're doing this in the middle of yeah. the <laughs> Which we'll return to this uh, restaurant later on in the movie. Yeah. I think it might be the same one Lucas Hedges and uh, yeah. her in. But as I said, Sterling K. Brown, you know, he's, I think a lot of people associate him now with uh, This Is Us, which mm-hmm. has been, you know, pretty, one of the few big, massive network hits of the last few years. Yeah. Um, that show people come to is like, I am going to be destroyed. Yeah. Like, yeah right. right. Which, uh, which one this of the, is a movie that other one of the blurbs we saw in the trailer for this movie was like, this movie will destroy you. Like, yeah. You know, like, I mean, 
it's an interesting impulse why certain people go to entertainment like this. Yeah, I can. You know? I might be talking about that later in the podcast about something specifically, but something I'm a big fan of too that I'm like I get joy, unbridled joy out of these things, even though they're very serious. But I don't know. It's just great to be alive and great art's being made. You know, yeah. I, I, and that, and that if that's what you want to do with something, I mean, if you're getting something out of that, fine. If that's the impulse you want to live with, but you know, that's I just find that interesting. Um, not exactly a wrong way to look at something like that, but just you there's know. old Clifton Cliff, Collins. Oh, good old Cliff. Triple Nine. There yeah. was a movie. <laughs> I mean, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a modern movie is that moment where Chewy Tell Edge of Four gets beat up by uh, Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet huh? yeah, or her, her goons or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. he's just like, okay, and then blows her car up. Yeah, uh, she's like driving away, and he's like, okay, like I will lose in the moment, but. It was like, wow. She's going to dye his hair platinum blonde. Yeah. Which it was already kind of that way. Or sort of. I think I read in one of those interviews that um, Schultz said his father was also really into being a musician mm-hmm. or something, so that's probably another thing, obviously. Yeah. That's prescription ibuprofen. Uh, yeah. Oxycodone. Acetaminophen. Sounds kind of like uh, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. but I know it's not. It's that yeah. uh, Bill Wise guy. Yeah. yeah. Was he in Krisha? I think so. Oh, he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was that one guy. I forgot about that. That's like smoking all yeah. the time. Yeah. Now, we never really said a whole lot about that movie. That movie's good, um, but it, it's it's a little much, I think. Um, it, well, not even in the sense of its style, because I'm still interested in that, but it's just what some people would say about this movie. I'd say a little more about that, but I still like but, it. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, yeah. again, it's one of those things that's indicative of a... That, oh, this there's an interesting voice at work here. Yeah, and right. the performance, the lead performance is really, really yeah. good, I think. Uh but yeah, it, it also the movie kind of just ends interestingly, and it's kind of just like, uh, oh, okay, that's it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not a very long movie either, which no. is fine. But yeah, the shorter the shorter movies, the better nowadays. I say, you know, but it depends. Uh, and then I don't know if we said this explicitly, but our favorite of the A twenty four horror movies probably is It Comes at Night. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, I said between that and Under the Skin, although Under the Skin I feel is more of a sci-fi movie, yeah. but it's still a horror yeah. movie. But yeah, but yeah. Obviously, the whole relationship these two have in the movie is very interesting, and yeah, you know, the question of whether or not. You know he's pushing him too hard, and yeah. I think it's pretty clear that he is. And he obviously, yeah. I think, feels regret for that by the end. Yeah. 
and of course, it's this whole macho idea of I can't show pain, I can't show Weakness. emotion, I can't show, and that's you know going to be the ultimate you know downfall of the whole situation. And that way, it make that makes for a, uh, a clear dividing point between these opening moments of the movie that are more male centric right. and the more female centric yeah. aspects of the second half. What he's writing his paper on? Um, a little bit of literary criticism. Probably read all of the tunnel by um, William, William Gass. Gass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm late, as a Frau Far Business oh, said in uh, Spy Who Shagged right. Me. Right. Oh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it is interesting to rewatch this and the sister had been such an afterthought because I didn't really know a whole lot about the movie, right. you know, and then I was just like, oh, when it, yeah. the second, I was like, oh, okay. And it kind of makes you feel yeah. bad, like, oh, there's right. another human being yeah, there I know. that you didn't yeah, pay well, attention to. I think that's the intention. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know. Um, I agree. Because he is such a force in this movie, Kelvin Harrison Jr., that yeah. it's hard not to be paying attention to him, you know. Specifically about It Comes at Night, obviously that movie's about a global pandemic. Um, yeah. Well, that that disease is much more severe, yeah. I think we can say. But that I suppose specifically watching, we saw that movie when I was in the midst of reading The Stand, yeah. actually, which was very interesting. I was just inundated with epidemic you know horror at that time um which is interesting that new cbs the stand yeah we never did watch that that we kind of talked about it but yeah oh well i saw part of the 90s one and it was whatever there were some funny things about it but i don't think that was the intention i have very specific ideas of what a adaption of the stand can be we'll save that for another time yeah great book by the way yep At least the new It movies were pretty good. As a as a f- massive fan of that book, you know. But that's what I love about Sterling K. Brown's performance in this. Like every scene, oh, he's kind of laughing, but then he's got this look yeah. and this hardness of like he could explode at any time, yeah. like at his son or his family. Oh, so here's science is going to get in the way. Yeah. Well, as we've seen over the past year, Mike Nichols looking guy. Yeah, that guy does look like Mike <laughs> um, Nichols. As we've seen over the past year, people are continuing to ignore science. So. Yeah. In a variety of ways. Yeah. Which makes us always a oh, science as far as teaching it on here, but science is very important, oh, yes, everybody. Yes. Uh, so, you know. Very much so. Yeah, because I'll just say personally, I don't want to make this whole situation about me, but like, I would be like, um, oh my God, my arm is screwed up. Like, I cannot but do this. Again, but, it goes back yeah. to this whole idea of youth that you... Right. Most well, I wasn't teenagers, a sports-oriented person growing yeah, up. So but I, in general, most teenagers yeah. can't think yeah. a week ahead, much less years right. ahead.
and I can be ready for next year for college. I think you were making it up. We were just watching Days of Thunder last night, yeah. and there's the whole Michael Rooker section. First time we've seen that, by the way, and yeah. it was it was all right, was you know, all right, whatever. Yeah. But um, the Michael Rooker playing the same game yeah. about oh, I've got a brain injury, and you know, that was just kind of funny. I was thinking about this movie while watching that because we knew we were going to watch it, you know. But so it just looks amazing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's one thing definitive about all A24 movies all look great. Yeah. Like, I can't think of one that doesn't, like, yeah. a most violent year is, looks really great, you know. Um, all of them. The Safety Brothers movies. The Safety Brothers movies, movies yeah. Because yeah. yeah, this looks kind of like those, sort of. Um, I, I do find the horror movies can look a little bland uh, more than any sometimes, yeah. but... But even it comes at night has like those Hieronymus Bosch paintings yeah, in them right, and that, the red door yeah, and that, like has yeah, a lot of more color, very green to yeah. too. I remember it being, yeah. you know, and we had some problems obviously with Midsummer, but that yeah. is a oh, no, striking right. visual is, movie. I yeah, mean, it is. Of course, the thing about Midsummer, most for me, I mean, I found the opening to be totally unbearable, but the movie never got to that point again. The yeah. whole, the rest of the movie was like child's play compared to that. Yeah, you know, and I. I thought that the ending I really thought was kind of interesting, um, but you know, yeah, in a way. But but the opening I just remember being like, "Oh my god, this is just awful," you know. Yeah, and in, in, in a good way, and what, yeah. like it was a, it was a moment that I remember, you know. Right. Um, but is a real vibe right here, like eating a burger. Is that a burger? What is that? Yeah, it's a burger. I love he's having this big moment. And I'm like, what is that he's eating? Just this this whole this whole section from when he first heard that news to now is a really great depiction of how you feel like you're in your whole little world that no one else is a part yeah. of. That you know, as uh, as a teenager, especially. By the way, just, something that's important about this movie I didn't realize did the didn't the uh, aspect ratio change? I think like that, yeah, more I think letter so, box. Yeah. Oh, here's Lucas Hedges in his one scene before later. But they obviously, as you'll see very soon, and hopefully you've seen this movie, you already know um, that the aspect ratio gets smaller and smaller, and then it builds back out yeah. over the movie, which is interesting. Um, so I remember seeing that. That was the only time I really noticed it was the middle of the movie. These other times I didn't notice it, but. How far is he into his paper on the tunnel at this point, do you think? How insane Sterling K. Brown's arms look. Yeah. Looks like, you know, one of Arnold or Carl Weathers' yeah, arms in the right. famous Predator moment. Right. Wasn't he in the, the Predator movie, I think, Sterling K. Sterling K. Brown? I think so, now I think yeah, about it. Which we never saw, now. but, you yeah. know. Predators. Or are you talking about, oh, no, no, the Predator, the new right, one. Right. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. You know, Which Predators with Adrian yeah. Brody is low key the best Predator movie, yeah. but whatever. 
but y'all aren't ready for that conversation. Yeah, like, don't to come stupid to stupid phrase. Don't come to that TED talk. Yeah. Like his eyes in this scene are one of the most yeah. terrifying things <laughs> I, I've ever seen. I've been seen. thinking that the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh my god, like, I would do anything that man told me to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's one of the big quotes people yeah. talk about in the movie that kind of sums it up. And again, the story itself is not concerned with race exactly. No. But this whole subtext through which the movie takes place in is yeah. a racial and that's statement. That's what's so great about way. the movie is that it doesn't overburden that. It yeah. just feels like this is just a life. That well, I think like we've lived, seen plenty you know, of movies over right. the years that are similar types of movies, but about white families. Yeah, yeah. Take, for instance, random example, pull out of the air, American Beauty or something right. like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's the stereotypical, successful, quote, white family and all the pressures associated with that. And that, yeah. in its own way, is a political or racial statement implicitly, but... That also is, you know, written by Alan Ball, so it has a lot of, uh, se- you know, queer. sexual and, yeah, queer yeah. statements about itself. Yeah. Um, but, but anyways, yeah. like, that's what I like about this is that it's clearly, ha- it's, you know... It doesn't mention race much at all, but it's clearly a, a specter that yeah. is influencing mm-hmm. the characters in the film in their own and, way. Yeah, like I said, Schultz understands that it's just these are people living their lives. Like you know, he says it. it ever all these, it doesn't matter. You, regardless of race or whatever, you're going to have a lot of the same problems. You know. Yeah. But like I said, there's a shot through with a specific, like, we need to be great because we're not afforded that luxury of being average, like you said. Like, oh, I'm getting ready.
We were actually seeing yeah. this, saying this yesterday. We were in Firehouse eating, and we saw yeah. uh, college wrestling on TV. That's yeah. like, you know, we we grew up with the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. We didn't grow up with. Uh, we grew up with uh, Doink the Clown, yeah. not like you know, <laughs> not like actually understand yeah. and. You know, we were seeing these guys wrestle, and it's like, you know, all these very specific, like, seemingly invisible things are going on that award all these people points right. that we don't necessarily know or understand, you know, yeah. with wrestling. Uh, again, this ain't wrestling. Yeah. This is painful to watch. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Oh, wait, there's more? Lord, yeah. I forgot. That's how this works. Yeah. Yeah. You've said here a while back you've been to some wrestling events yeah. for your school. I yeah, guess. and uh, I was <laughs> kind of shocked, but also not kind of shocked that like um, I've never seen a higher percentage per capita of mullets in my life. Yeah, that uh, business in the front, party yeah. in the back, yeah. uh, as they say. Which, Both for yeah. my school and the visiting yeah, school, right. that the amount of mullets I saw was just pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Um, now him having like a platinum blonde mullet that yeah, would have been that would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually glad we were spared that, but that yeah. would have just been like, oh my god, like you know. He says, why are they not wearing masks? Yeah. Like, you know. He's like, had to go and uh, hurt yourself. Actual, like, like, you know, mortality, like, you know. Yeah. I remember in the second half of this too with mm -hmm. uh, the sister, how much is 
there's like a lot of conversations behind closed doors you hear of the parents you know yeah. and like the uh the boiling nature of that in yeah. the background you know we see some more of those later yeah, on yeah that's but. more in the yeah, later parts of the movie We can hear the titular waves in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously it seems pretentious to say, but it's a good name for this movie of literally what the location is. Also this idea of the movie, like a tie goes in, tie goes out, yeah, right. kind of like the roughness of it kind of yeah. it has these ways about itself, like, you know. Yeah, it's true. Like one way you could look at, it, I guess, in that sense, is the tide's coming in for most of the, for up until the middle of the movie, yeah. and the rest of it going out, like you know. Somehow we know, probably not. Yeah, sad to say, it will not end up well. It's a very kind of striking, almost Harmony Korean image of like neon orange on like blue and like, you know. the beach bum himself yeah there's a movie you just watched that recently for the first time I yeah guess. It's, I, it was good yeah yeah i mean it, yeah that's the only I, I, one I thing i said about that that i'd be interested to know is that like i mean it's interesting that a patron saint of texas yeah who, who's more associated with texas than like matthew mcconaughey is like modern actors yeah. you know to portray the quote florida man in, yeah. in the right. flesh. I wonder if people from Florida are offended by that. Like, yeah. when, you know, a British person plays Superman here, yeah. like, ooh, you know, like, or a non-British person would play Bond, you know. Yeah. If that were ever to happen. Probably not. Never. Tell you worse than ever every single day. 
for this. I'm here for y'all. Alright? All I ask in return is that you're here for me as well. So please, do not go out here and mess with these crazy women. Okay? As he proceeds, to <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's always something that's like, yeah, when people say, "I'm not yelling," it's like, well, yeah. I guess that's the scene of where language involving teens. Yeah. <laughs> there are other scenes in that, but. As you said earlier, at least it's not tweens. Yeah. 
What was that movie uh, from the Good years, Boys? The Good Boys, yeah. Yeah. It was like the tween centric R yeah. rated comedy. Where you're starting to go over a Clifton College Junior no, right. Cliff. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I think it's obvious to say uh, not making good decisions. No, that's smart. No, um, and that you know, obviously the scene earlier where he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be here for you," yeah, all this stuff mm-hmm. turned out to be incredibly disingenuous, or at the very least, he wasn't thinking. Through. And there's a scene here in a minute later where he's like texting her and you're thinking oh he's gonna come around and he's acting like he's going to and like no yeah like we were saying earlier uh, Kendrick yeah who as somebody who doesn't listen to really any hip hop I, I, I have liked what I've heard of Kendrick I yeah he say. makes really good music videos yeah. especially I remember when Damn came out yeah um, I was a freshman um, in college, and I, I didn't really listen to it, but I remember what a big deal it was for everybody on my dorm hall. Yeah. And I was hearing some of it, and I was like, ah, it's actually pretty good, like, for somebody who's a big, you know, rock music person and it doesn't listen to that type of thing. I was very impressed by it, so. Yeah. And like I said, those music videos of DNA yeah. and, uh, oh, what's the name of that other one? It's the really good one. I can't ever remember the name of it. Uh, yeah. For, from that album, too, uh. And he hasn't made anything. No, uh, since then, and that it's you know. Uh, let's see, humble. That was good. I don't think I've seen that one actually. Element. Element. Yeah. Element. That's. I, I like that song actually too, but especially the uh, that yeah. music video is very good. But yeah, if I, I've, I've thought about actually trying to really li- listen to some of his stuff. I might get around to that one of these days. Don Cheadle in the DNA video. Yeah, that's, that's a performance. Just pay yeah. attention to that if you go back and watch it. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'll say. DNA. <laughs> but as I said earlier, a lot of this music has not been used in right. uh, yeah. modern popular cinema, so that's a ch- this is a chance for this movie to kind of own it in quotes, yeah. you know. Yeah, because we had said originally... That kind of idea originally was to make a Dazed and Confused movie with music featured heavily. And obviously this movie's totally different than that, but I can kind of see that in that way of the really... The DNA of it. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Like, Oh, that's funny. You can't see, yeah. Hilarious. Hereditary fans would know that uh, you want to keep your head inside the window at all times of the, the yeah. vehicle. I remember when that moment happened in that movie. I thought, uh, <laughs> like, you know, that's 
That's a movie right there. Yeah. See, like, there are portions of the, those types of movies, like, like, Hereditary, oh, Taylor Russell, because mm -hmm. this is the first time I really remember, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a sister in the movie, yeah, but, that specifically with Hereditary, I remember watching that, we saw it in theater, there's that moment, uh, where he's sitting in class after that had happened, and it's like he looks up, and there's like the rearview mirror hovering in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing that and being like, "What is this? Uh, that, that's just a striking image, you mm -hmm. know." Like, but that's what I'm saying. There's some of the there's portions of his movies that really have uh, Ari Aster's movies that really have that, and then the whole thing's kind of like that, you know. But Hereditary's actually good enough, but but anyway. Will he get it together? Well, the answer may not surprise yeah. you, but... Um, it's a big iPhone movie. Yeah. Have you seen those, um... Oh, what were those Scott Parr movies? Uh, oh, Unfriended. Unfriended, no. yeah. Though, first of all, Scott, whatever happened to yeah, that, really is totally, you know, taken over. I remember I had never heard of Zoom at all, and then it was like it was just like the thing. But anyways, those that I don't know if I saw the sequels. But that first unfriend was actually good. There's that John Cho. Yeah, uh, now that looked really kind of good. I heard that was actually kind really of thing. good. I heard but, it was good. Yeah. yeah. Which we recently, what a few months ago, saw Columbus for the first uh -huh. time. And yeah, that was like very that. good. John Cho's in that, but. It's almost like his brainiac insufficient response. Yeah, insufficient like, response. Yeah, like what? Like... Just 
and let me by far say I've never been in a t- Texas change anywhere near yeah this dramatic right let me yeah. just say that but it does it is like a good tension through text yeah. kind of the when you see the whole dot 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 of somebody else yeah. typing you right. know like yeah In the tradition of uh, this this one. R. Like when you get the K response. Yeah. Wow. In essence, he has been unfriended. Don't ducking block yeah. me. <laughs> Is Tyler the Creator? Oh, right. I haven't heard really any. Of his Ooh, he's a he's a he's a character. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I thought he's gonna rip his life of Pablo poster off, but nope. He's someone I've not even listened to a whole whole lot of their music, but um, he's a he's a whole character in of himself. Anybody who's yeah. listened to this who knows about him knows yeah. like that. I've I've heard that. I don't really know yeah. what it is specifically, but I'm fine. And then you hear more crashing, yeah. like you know. His Tamale music video. We, we, we'll watch this after uh, okay. that. Just me and you. I'll get but, back like, to yeah. you next week on yeah. that one. <laughs> I remember he specifically was somebody that was starting to take off when I was in high school and early college. I remember. Yeah. Now, uh, I know that his most recent album from a few years ago, Igor or Igor, I, I guess it's Igor, mm-hmm. uh, got really good reviews. I didn't hear a whole 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 lot of the beginning to end but it's interesting that his sister's like there with her yeah, you know yeah like, that's weird uh, yeah i think that this movie also has a lot to say about the way that you can stalk people nowadays yeah. you know and that's very uh and there have been movies that have i guess opined on that by now but i feel like this is the best one to do that you know, so far, right. like, you know, um, very scary, you know. Yeah. And not that people shouldn't be willing to live their life online, but it, like, it's just a know, whole new it, world it, right, that we're just, living yeah, with, yeah. Right. That, um, because any there sane certain... human being shouldn't have to think that he would be. This, you know, yeah, crazy at this point, yeah. But <laughs> doing uh, anybody gonna do the worm or something, right? Like, like bring out the sky too hotty, yeah. Well, yeah, we were talking earlier about this movie doesn't really have any genre elements, really, it's just a, dra- a drama. But I've always remembered this section of the movie that's gonna come up here, um as being a very well-formed influence by his horror roots, I think. Yeah. Um, 
of specifically they're in a, here in a few minutes there's gonna be that long take of him yeah. like following her and yeah as we had read this scene apparently these two actresses wanted to do yeah. and they improv supposedly that it originally wasn't in the screenplay that almost was like acted they said kind of as a bridge between the parts parts I guess yeah but even though this part isn't over yet but It said it was inspired in part by their love of Persona, I think it said. Yeah, right? yeah, which Burson was interesting, movie, yeah. yeah. That's a great movie that, as somebody who usually understand, is easy to understand most opaque things, I have no clue what's going on mm-hmm. in that movie. Like, what that movie is really... Not even exactly what it's about, but what is happening in it half the time. Like, interesting. Very good movie. Great movie, but... Yeah. Um... It's probably the best movie I've ever seen that I'm like, I don't know what this is, really, but, you know. um. And I think the best Bergman thing and my favorite is the total of Fanny and Alexander, but that is up and Seventh Seal and that are up there, I think. Right. Of what I've seen, I haven't seen near enough Bergman as I... Something that I find light, light, lightly comedic about that is, like, oh, I'm gonna put my my cologne on before I go out. Like, yeah, it gotta like, smell good. Uh, like. Like, yeah. Definitely not funny what's going on, but just to come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. The Kanye emerges. Yeah. Nah, I'm not even kidding when I say this. I think probably one of the best modern needle drops I can think of in a movie of what all is going on in this moment and what this song is is about well whatever this song's about i don't know but like you know i mean croissants play a role i mean get it out of the garage
Also, the song is just totally hilarious. Yeah. But uh, what do we want to say about Kanye West? Uh, he's one of the most entertaining things of all time. I think we can agree on that. Uh, Now, I haven't heard near as much of his music, but I've actually always liked it, what I've heard. Well, I remember when uh, Yeezus came out. It was like 2013, I think. That was a big college event as far as when that came out. This would have been on that album. Yeah. 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 Um, And then I'll never forget when Black Skinhead was in the trailer for... Yeah, but Wolf of Wall Street, right? Which just the image of um, imagining Martin Scorsese sitting in approving the trailer for Wolf of Wall Street with that in it just hilarious to think about. Was that song also in Suicide Squad, or was that another song of his? I don't don't really remember anything about Suicide Squad in general. That movie's terrible, so. Who cares? But yeah, I was just wondering. Let's see. Wi Fi loading. Because <laughs> I know that movie was kind of sold on its soundtrack, which is just yeah. hilarious to me, but. There was some song that was playing while Deadshot was like training or something um there's no kanye song okay maybe that was another song then now that that song does famously have uh purple lamborghini which is uh, oh well the low-key classic mm, in this house and and among my college friends too (laughs) we used to watch that music video for just hours on end and just laugh like purple lamborghini looking Rick Ross, who appeared as Butterball in Magic City Season 2. Right. But anyway. You know what was interesting is how much this skipped over the actual prom that was going on. Um, Right, yeah. But, yeah. Whatever's going on TV there. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of a specific episode of uh, We Are Who We Are, which was just like total excess like nonsense going on. Uh, it reminded me of that. It was a pretty good episode. So but. this was the sequence I'm saying you, I'm yeah, that you're referring to like, is like a stalker. Right, or, yeah. and it, I remember watching aspect. it at the time and was thinking that. Uh, yeah. But one thing I want to say about this movie at this point in the movie it's been going by quicker than the first time I watched it. I think because I've seen it yeah. now. When you're first watching it, it feels like everything's moving so fast, but it feels like it takes almost longer sure. too. It's very weird uh, experience. But the, in memory, I've remembered the movie is feeling longer than it is. But which another thing that we could talk about at some point is our idea of the we kind of talked about our idea of the drama our love of the drama yeah. that a lot of these dramas are like 
two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, 30 minutes, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, like those, uh, oh gosh, and I think there's a name? certain pressure on a lot of movies now that are quote dramas to pack in even more than maybe some yeah. dramas of the past did because they're just not as, uh, a priority as much yeah. for the studios anymore. Right. And, um, this movie's exactly right of everything with it, but yeah, yeah. He doing it's it? like ramen noodles is there yeah the, he was a head of the 22nd hand washing for covid That's i guess true, yeah. so he's i mean he's got a lot of other problems going on right now that i don't think that's why but yeah i was a fan of a good look in the mirror tell me i'm a good man <laughs> yeah well i don't think anybody's gonna be telling him that but yeah Turn the lights down a little bit here. There's his sister who looks like, you know, we don't get another window in whatever this moment is for her, but it looks like she's lost deep in thought or in whatever's going on with her. Yeah, because she doesn't even seem to be, like, under the influence or anything. She's just like, hmm, well, I'm thinking about what, yeah. And then she's seeing, oh, he's there. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that moment shot reminds me of a moment in Irreversible specifically. Actually, I just now thought about. Um, mm-hmm. There's a movie which I actually do like, but it's it's a lot. I just noticed how narrow the frame's gotten now. Yeah. Stupid ass bitch! Stupid ass bitch! Fucking walk away from me! You 
encounter in the uh, 133.1. Yeah, that was a, obviously everything about this moment shocking, but I remember being like, oh, what? Like, yeah. you know. So I think I kind of heard that about the movie beforehand about that, but. Which, uh, don't think that I, the, the horror, the trauma that's going on that I've, that's being lost on me. Of no. course. Uh, yeah. then the first thing I yeah. jump to is about the aspect ratio, yeah. but you know, and I feel like a lot of the points for Tyler through most of this movie were, you know, we reach new and new points of no return, right. obviously. And this is the final straw yeah. for him, like in terms of, uh, you know. His life is inevitably changed by this, but at the same time, hers is lost, and yep. the child's as a result. What a random music cue to drop there. Now we got traffic violations. Yeah. Dealing with. Probably didn't hurt the truck at all. Yeah. It almost looks like a face or eyes. Yeah. music or something. Yeah.
should be said too that some of the most dramatic moments of the movie do not feature a soundtrack it's right. score uh, even though the soundtrack isn't in the movie It's also a whole aspect, frankly, I forgot about this movie was that she was there and that right. she saw him before yeah. he went to do that. So that's an element of guilt, I guess, she mm-hmm. she's dealing with through her yeah. section of the movie. As you know, I'm always uh, fascinated by movies that get to a point like this halfway through, like Vertigo is an example of that, which is my favorite movie, um, where what you would think would be the climactic moment of any other movie comes halfway through, and, yeah. and then you're left with this feeling the rest of the movie of what, where do we go from here, yeah, you know? Right. Um, which, uh, yeah, and... Not even really the knowledge that the sister plays a big role in the right. second half as much that you're just like you said you're like, okay now what where do we yeah. go now you know mm-hmm. very it's always exciting to be in the hands of a filmmaker yeah. or a film that you have that sensation with and not and and you trust where you're going but yeah. you don't know where it's going to be you know. As we said earlier, some of these color vignette sequences are reminiscent of uh, Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, I had forgotten that guy's name that did those. Let me look that up. I can't remember it either. There's a really great little mini doc about that guy on the Punch Drunk Love Criterion. Jeremy Blake. Jeremy Blake. Mm -hmm. That's it. And, uh,. That whole guy's unfortunate death yeah, is a very interesting... Had, uh, committed suicide, yeah, I believe. There's yeah, there's whole ties to Scientology and stuff. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Hmm. Yeah. I hate to just drop something no, like that no, and then yeah, move on, I but I would encourage yeah. everybody I would encourage everybody to go... Drop the mic. Literally not. Do your own reading about yeah, that. that um, yeah. 
as you made a hint earlier, that this stays at 133.1 for a while before Yeah, because it I, I kind of was wondering, oh, is it going to be the rest of the movie when I first saw it? Um, yeah. But... Because it was easier not to notice the letterboxing, yeah. but when you do that, it's way easier to tell that, obviously, the change. Obviously, we've entered a totally different movie now. Yeah. Um, it's like she's noticing their, you know, disagreement with more of a silence than, you know. Yeah. Essentially, the decision we don't see his face uh, any yeah. of this that we see the family's face, you know, at that. Yeah, and he is shown again towards the end of the movie, but I, I find that yeah interesting that the rest of this movie is totally without him. Obviously, um, yeah. I think at this point, I mean, when I first saw this, that you're getting the impression yeah. that she is now going to be the right. lead of the rest of this film, but it's a very disorienting kind of uh, experience nonetheless. Yeah, because one thing I thought more of, interestingly, throughout the whole movie is, oh, wasn't Lucas Hedges supposed to be in this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was, and I was like, but wasn't he? And then, you know, it's just kind of... Let's say it's great to be in the hands of a filmmaker like that when you're like huh you feel like, like they're walk, you're yeah. walking a tightrope right. you don't know yeah. where you're you know going exactly and like we wait is that Harmony Korean yeah, maybe be, I yeah. think so yeah. Um, yeah and of course I love the first section of the movie but Anybody who would know us would not be surprised to know that we prefer the second because yeah. um, that's just the type of people we are as far as drama that's more, you know, mm-hmm. understated. And... Because I think uh, there's so many, we didn't even go as in-depth earlier about the drama is because I find it hard to talk about why I'm so into that particularly. Um, in a modern context, like this movie in relation to other movies, um, because it reflects reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, because also, that, it doesn't fall back right. on these traditional genre yeah. elements that it's like, 
These are about people yeah. dealing with real situations. And right. obviously sometimes those can be heightened. Yeah. Um, but it's just really more concerned with, I'd say it sounds real pretentious, but just the human element of yeah. life yeah. in ways that I feel like sometimes, not always, but oftentimes genre storytelling can yeah. lose the thread on yeah. a little bit and not be as interested in. Not always again, though. frame that wow yeah like that transition or fade or what, what do you call that it's like a, yeah it's a, it's a fade uh, yeah, yeah effectively i didn't get all the way through film school <laughs> that's a basic thing but i guess he's not gonna be the don don doesn't wear shorts yeah this is sprinters taught us <laughs> He never had the makings of a yeah. varsity athlete. <laughs> well, it turns out he does. He I does, guess. actually, yeah. probably, but. That's something so many kids would be like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Interesting choice for that whole shot to show her and his reflection and not him talking. Right. He's the one talking the whole time. But not sure if you can hear it, but our neighbor's getting his motorcycle yeah. out right now. Oh, it quit. We haven't said enough about how big and nice this high school is. Yeah. Like you know, is it like the snow day school where they have a pool somewhere? Yeah. Sorry to bring up Snow Day yeah. again in this moment, but that's a movie that just lives in the hearts and minds, you know? I mean, I mean, many said that Waves in many ways was the, you know, the 20 teens answer. Yeah. You to know, Snow something Day. I wanted to bring up really quickly is that, um, um, oh God, Alexa Demi, the yeah, actress, yeah. she had said in her interview, we read something mm-hmm. about, oh, I always, I was from LA and it was saying something right. was snowing. I was like, oh, I always wanted a snow day. So that is a yeah. thing. She's like, I always wanted a snow day as a kid or whatever. Right. So that continues. How awkward they both yeah. are. <laughs> Mystery flavor. Yeah. You know, it's like, those are always like, mm-hmm. don't mess with that. Like, don't mess with that Zohan. Yeah. <laughs> 
kind of expecting an up close shot on the the, yeah, the yeah. candy like <laughs> what's his username luke 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 1212 something like that <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, should be said also, uh, Lucas Hedges uh, went to the School of the Arts, I believe, here in yeah, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I contemplated going there very briefly. Yeah, um, same here. Well, they think his dad, isn't his he, dad he wrote, a director yeah, well, or he, playwright? Or? He's a playwright who wrote What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Right, right, yeah. right, right. 